In the beginning of 2020, we were first made aware of a contagious flu spreading throughout the world named coronavirus. We followed the recommended medical advisory guidelines and sheltered in place. We watched a cable series we ordinarily would not have watched named Lion King and expected to return to normalcy in a few weeks. We had no previous point of reference for its seriousness. Weeks turned into months and the virus now called COVID-19 has completely disrupted our lives and our businesses. Our guest, Jeff Plank, a principal in corporate advisory at Warren Averett, one of the top 40 firms, full advisory firms in public accounting, is here to discuss a pressing issue for all businesses, large and small. Do I go or do I grow? And how to maximize the value of your business during the coronavirus epidemic. As weeks turned into months, COVID-19 has completely disrupted our lives and our businesses. A burning issue for all businesses is, do I go or do I grow? How to maximize the value of your business during the coronavirus pandemic. pandemic. Let's welcome Jeff Plank, a principal in corporate advisory at Warren Averett, one of the top 40 advisory and public accounting firms. As a brief intro for Jeff, Jeff's career has focused on providing advisory services for profit enhancement, business transition planning, litigation support, valuation services, and internal control engagements with Fortune 500 firms, as well as mid and small businesses, which is significant because he can relate to COVID-19 and how it's affecting small and main street and large businesses. Jeff's academic background includes an MBA from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, and perhaps for me more notable, he is a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point, and thank you for your service, Jeff. Jeff, before we start talking about business, being a graduate of West Point, it's a close-knit community, I would imagine. Uh, have you remained close to anyone who has become a senior officer in the military? Um, you know, it's interesting you ask me that. Um, a lot of the people that I'm probably closest to that I've stayed in contact with have left the military. And I think that's just a function of the fact that I live here in Atlanta and, um, you know, we do have some military bases close by, but, uh, but the, the answer is no, um, but I'm very involved in um, West Point and the activities. I'm, a, I'm on the board of the West Point Society of Atlanta. And so uh, I help plan activities here in Atlanta and we, we have a great community. There's probably about 10,000 uh, um, West Point grads in Georgia. Well, once again, uh, thank you. Uh, Jeff, uh, please, if, if there's anything I left out that you would like listeners to know, you can just fill in your background or bio and do tell us about Warren Averett. And first of all, am I pronouncing Averett correctly? It's uh, Averett. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Warren, Warren Averett. Um, well, um, as you mentioned, we are, we are top... Um, top 40. I think our official rank in, in um, Billings is 37 in the country. A couple of notable things about us is we are 
first and foremost, business advisors um, with a little bit of a accounting and tax work. Um, technically, our, our revenue split is about 60% <clears throat> is audit and tax work and 40% is business advisory work, but we're really looking to shift that. And in two or three years, we want, we want 60% of our revenues coming from business advisory work and 40% coming from tax and accounting work. So, so tax, tax and accounting audit work is still kind of our core, but we add value to businesses in a lot of different ways um, through, uh, we have a, a good size M&A practice, business advisory practice, we call our TAS, Transactional Advisory Services. We do um, value enhancement services, helping companies maximize the value of their business. We do um, valuation services. I'm a certified valuation analyst, so do lots of business valuations for lots of different reasons. And um, unfortunately, we have to do some litigation engagements as well. And I'm also a SEPA certified exit planning advisor. And so um, that credential provides me a foundation to help business owners um, exit their business in the most profitable way. So a couple of other notable things. We are based in the Southeast, but we have a national practice. We've, we have about 900 employees throughout the Southeast, primarily in Georgia, um, Alabama, and Florida. Our three biggest offices are Birmingham, Atlanta, and Tampa. And um, feel free to go to our website and we, we have it laid out pretty nicely. We have a really good um, COVID-19 resources page that you can make yourself available to and uh, more detailed listing of all of our services and practice areas. Well, thank you. We have a, a packed agenda to fit into the 30 minutes that's allotted to us. So uh, what I'd like to talk about from your point and your expertise, and remember your background is from Fortune 500 companies to mid-sized to small. So I'm really glad that I have you as, as a guest today because what we're going to be talking about are the industries or, the, or companies that one are doing well in the three categories of enterprise, mid and small size businesses. Those that seem to be floating, if you will, they're not sure if they're going to make it or if they're going to survive or if they're going to do well. And the third category would be maybe they're hurting. And again, you know, what do they do and, and, and how do they do it? If they are to go, you mentioned exit planning. How do they do that during coronavirus? Because that's affecting the value of businesses. Or if they want to grow, what do they do? Which leads us to the fourth point which how could they pivot, right? So why don't you kind of take it from there, Jeff, you know, take the three categories, enterprise, mid, small, and fit in those four, to four categories of doing well, floating, hurting, pivoting. Well, so let's just be clear, uh, what's your definition of enterprise um, companies? Is that, are those companies larger than midsize or? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, really, you know, the, the three areas, the, the larger companies, midsize and, and main street businesses, obviously a lot is, is being driven on, on, on what they do. Um, so for instance, you know, companies that are doing food manufacturing, um, food uh, retail, health, medical supplies, um, transportation, logistics, you know, those tend to be more the enterprise, mid-sized companies, um, not as much as the Main Street businesses. A lot of these companies are doing 
doing very well. They're seeing record record revenues and um, record record um, earnings. Um, but they've they've got some challenges, right? You know, how do you keep up with the demand, um, supply risk for COVID nineteen, um, finding good people, um, and I and I think one thing I want to stress is as we kind of go through these these different categories, the fundamentals are still important. So regardless of really what size company you are, we talked about the three, you know, uh, mid-size enterprise and main street. And, and regardless, regardless of what, um, whether you're hurting now or whether this is an opportunity time or whether you're just doing okay. And there, there's some business. And so, so maybe, maybe we could do a, a quick pivot to just, you know, talking about some business fundamentals, which is really important for, any company, regardless of what's kind of happening to them. And then the other thing I want to mention is there's really three levers that, that business owners can control when they're talking about maximizing the value of their business. One of the levers is cash flow, you know, managing your cash flow. Another lever is how do you manage the growth in that cash flow, or it could be the, the decline in that cash flow. And then the third is the, the risk profile of that business. So I mentioned to you earlier, I'm a certified valuation analyst, do lots of business valuations. I've probably done close to 200 over the years. And those really are the three main things that we look at when we're valuing a business. You know, what are the cash flows? What's the trend in those cash flows, whether it's a growth, whether it's declining, and then you know, what, what's the risk profile? So let's talk about let's talk about risk profile. You know, if you're if you're a business owner where you're being severely impacted by COVID-19, and this would be, you know, these smaller Main Street businesses, I think, are being hit really hard. Um, you know, travel certainly is being hit, airlines is being hit, tourism. Um, a lot of that's gonna be cost containment. And that kind of starts with knowing what your cash flow is. Um, how often are you um, managing your cash flow? If you're a company that's really being impacted, you want to be managing your cash flow on a, on a weekly basis. Um, you look at um, you know cost cutting measures. Look at the airlines. You know they've they've grounded a bunch of their airlines. They've um, reduced routes. So I think if you're if you're in that situation where you're really hurting, I think really your focus should be on on cost containment. Jeff, you know, having owned a, a manufacturing facility for, for 20 years, there was a, an adage I remember, and there is a certain amount of cost containment you can do, but the expression was you, you really can't cut your way to profitability. So what's that, right? what's that, that, that point of, of balance? Uh, you know, at what point are, do you know that you are on a downward spiral if you stop certain amount you say cost containment but that means services or products or investment um, what's that fine line between um, hurting yourself and not giving you a chance to grow out of it and just or just surviving and giving yourself a chance to grow yeah well speaking of manufacturers specifically i mean you 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 could get creative you know you have this um, large um, investment and equipment, and maybe there's some alternative alternative ways that you can utilize that equipment. So, 
just as a, a little bit of a war story, we have a, a, a client that was a, um, um, a manufacturer of healthcare supplements, protein powders, um, um, nutraceuticals is, is the terminology. Well, they, they actually went in and they, they, they continued manufacturing the nutraceuticals, but then they also opened up another line um, manufacturing um, sanitizers, hand sanitizers. And so, um, you know, that, that may be something worthwhile for a company, especially a manufacturer, to look at. Is there, is there something that you can do to pivot? Um, the, the bottom line is, you know, companies are going to have to get creative. This is just a new way of doing businesses. I mean, look at our, our firm, Warren Abert. We pretty much have everybody's working remote, remotely now. And, uh, but we've been able to, you know, make changes. I just had a, uh, pre a firm presentation the other day talking about doing virtual audits. And you, you think about it, well, when you're doing a financial statement audit, you have to do inventory observations. Well, normally that entails you know, flying out to the business, traveling out to the business, going through the warehouses, doing inventory observations, where there's things that you can do where you can do that remotely. Um, so, so yeah, the, these are hard times, but I think that this is also bringing out the best in people and some people are pivoting and, and getting creative with the way that they deliver their, their service and product. I think, you know, we talked about the fundamentals being important. Um, those don't go away. And, you know, there's a lot of businesses that they maybe haven't clearly thought out what they stand for as an organization. You know, what is their why? I'll give a, a quick plug to uh, Simon Sinek, who is uh, a, a one of my favorite authors, and he's written a lot of books around that. And, you know, what is your why? What, what gets you up in the morning? It's important to think about that personally, but it's also important to think about that as, your, as, as a company. You know, why do you exist? What is the purpose of your business? And thinking through that, that may help you brainstorm ideas on some things you can do to more effectively and efficiently um, deliver your product or service offering. So I think that's a fundamental. Uh, understanding what your sustainable competitive advantage is. Um, um, I think that's, that's a fundamental. Planning, planning, planning. Um, I can't say that enough. You know, what is, what is your one-page plan? Um, where are you now? Where do you want to be? How are you going to get there? And regardless of what stage you are, um, really, what, regardless of what size business you are, regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of how COVID-19 is impacting you, you know, you have to have a business plan. Um, we use, uh, I mentioned the Now Where How, which is kind of a template we use for our clients. Um, we have a one-page template, and, you know, I ask clients to do that on a longer range, you know, two or three year, um, and then break that down to a one year, and then break that down into, into um, um, 90 days, basically. Um, what are the questions? I don't want to just be rambling on and talking and talking and talking. No, that, that's fine. Um, it, it's my job to keep us on track. So let, <laughs> let me do that. And, and this is going to be kind of rapid fire. If that's okay. okay with you. Sure. Okay. So we have these four points of you're doing well. Uh, I'm going to add something to that. If you're doing well, how could you 
do better. And, and do better, by that I mean grab more market share, right? And become sustainable as, this, as we move out of the post-coronavirus era. So you're doing well because of circumstances. You know, you mentioned um, healthcare, for instance, all right? But how does a particular company within the healthcare industry take advantage of gaining more market share against their competitors during and sustainable afterwards? So uh, apply that to Main Street and mid-sized companies or manufacturer, $50 million manufacturer, let's say, and let's say uh, an enterprise company as well, you know, a service company and an enterprise, just, just to pull something out of the air there. Yeah, well, so let's, let's talk about growth and taking advantage of that. You know, you, when you look at the traditional growth matrix, you could sell more of your existing product to, to more clients. And so there's probably some things that you can do to more effectively market yourself a lot of that is kind of basic block and tackling you know understanding your segment market you know who are you going after having a very effective and efficient marketing message but if you're kind of at the point where you feel that you've kind of tapped that uh out then you know what's what's the next area well the next area is selling existing products and services to a different geographical market. You know, if you're, if you're selling in Georgia, you know, consider expanding that. And, and really, I know we're, we're talking about these three types of companies, but this really kind of applies to um, probably more of the enterprise and, and, and the mid-market mid companies. You know, obviously it may not apply to a Main Street businesses, um, but, um, and you know, we could talk about that. That's, that's kind of a very specific area, but you know, a restaurant, you know, a Mexican restaurant in Decatur, you know, is going to have, you know, different ways to, to, um, to grow than, than expanding their market share, although they can certainly do that, you know, they can open up a, another, another restaurant or area in a different part of town. But, um, you know, if you feel that you've really kind of tapped that area out, then it's geographical expansion. Then at that point, you, you're talking about, maybe there's existing, you know, products or services that you could add. Um, you mentioned companies that are doing well. This, this actually might be an opportunity for companies to consider um, acquiring a business or merging M&A activities. And so, you know, we've kind of mm -hmm. found in our um, transaction practice that things are starting to pick up again. And this could be an opportunity to, um, as, as multiples have come down a little bit, is to make a strategic, a strategic acquisition and, and, and grow your practice that way. So that's, that's certainly something to, uh, to consider. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I was going to mention that. And I was, as an add-on too, this might be a perfect time for that mid-sized company to create alliances. So if you're talking about a geographic area, it might not be practical for them to service the West Coast from the East Coast. But if they could reach out to an alliance, they might be able to feed off of each other. And, uh, you know, the glass has been turned upside down and the bubbles are rising now. So mm -hmm. there might be opportunities all of a sudden for mergers and acquisitions that they were unaware of before. But you won't know until you start reaching out. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about, about those Main Street businesses because I, 
I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah, you know, those companies, I think, you know, certainly you've got some larger companies that are impacted. I mean, you look at um, the airlines, you know, they're very, very yeah, large sure. enterprise companies. You know, they've been decimated. Um, the entertainment industry in Las Vegas, I mean, that's been dec decimated. So I'm not saying that, um, you know, only Main Street businesses have been impacted the most, you know. Um, it, it doesn't matter what size company you, you're, you're in, you know, depending on what your product or services is, you can be severely impacted. But I think it, it especially is, is hard hit for those smaller Main Street businesses for a, a number of reasons. Yes, the, the PPP has certainly helped and we've had a lot of companies uh, of our clients have taken advantage of that. And, and by the way, I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, feel free to go to um, warrenaver.com. We've got a nice... Um, COVID-19 resources page, and we have a whole task force that is focused on just all the latest legislation and what's happening with PPP and other, other plans. But, you know, these, these, these Main Street businesses don't have the cash reserves that some of these larger companies have, um, don't have as many options. But um, I, I am kind of seeing a, a little bit of a light at the end of the table. I mean, we are talking about potentially having a vaccine rolling out towards in this year or next year. Um, I think things will start gradually returning back to normal. So, you know, if you could hunker down and, and, and kind of wait it out, then I, th I think you're going to be okay. But, you know, talking about um, pivoting and being creative, I mean, I, th I, think you, I think you've seen this a lot in, in restaurants. Um, companies that normally wouldn't offer takeout, obviously, have been forced to offer takeout. Um, the specials. I have one client that I'm working with now that they were able to purchase a um, an out parcel next to their restaurant, and they actually had been growing because they are not doing um, in in dining um, or in restaurant dining, but everything's outside but they can they can sit now close to 150 people on their expanded patio and so they you know you look at restaurants severely impacted by COVID-19 but this is an example of a company that actually has, has been doing a little better because now they could sit more people than they could have sat people on the inside I realize not everybody could do that and if you're constrained with the uh, the land around you but um yeah, it's going to take, you know, people kind of thinking out of the box and, and getting creative. Well, I'm glad, glad you mentioned that. And I realized I took on a topic that just cannot be, you know, fully developed in the half hour. Uh, so um, we're going to wind down. Um, I, I do want to say, particularly for Main Street, I, um, you know, I, I'm a uh, fractional COO, CMO, and I get hired by different companies to help them. And one of them is a manufacturer. And and the problem is that the cash flow that you mentioned, and they can't take on more business. And uh, you know, I'd like to kind of give advice to help those companies. And for one is what are the outlets for companies that are cash strapped? Uh, for instance, there's, I'll call it the cottage industry of um, purchasing your, your invoices. Uh, unlike uh, asset-based lending, um, they will just say, okay, you're selling your products to Home Depot or to established companies with good credit. We will pay you in 30 days less, somewhere between one and 2%. And 
there is absolutely no liability on your part. They're assuming the credit risk, et, et, et cetera, and at least you could have, so that's one outlet that they can have to grow because they could take on more business without the cash flow. What other, what other avenues would companies have like that? Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot, a lot of banks do offer that. I think, um, you know, if you look at cash, making sure you don't have excess or obsolete inventory, um, you know, being able mm -hmm. to collect your, your uh, receivables more quickly, more efficiently, and then your payables. And I, and I think that's what you were mentioning on your, on your payables. And so there, there are companies out there that, and I'm not sure if this was the, the program that you were talking about, but basically um, the, the, the payables in banks, there's different banks that manage this, where they'll basically pay your payable. So it's, it's, it's a win-win situation. So your suppliers are getting paid more quickly, but your suppliers are paying um, a small interest to get paid more quickly. And so the, the bank facilitates this. They're getting paid with a, um, um, a, it's, a it's a credit facility, basically. But, but there's a small upcharge um, or small interest. And so um, it's, it's kind of a win-win situation because the suppliers getting paid more quickly. Um, and then the, um, the bank's getting a small interest, but then they're sharing that with the, um, the company. Was, was that the program you were talking about? No, actually, I'm, I just learned something. It's the opposite of what I'm talking about, which has become a cottage industry. And that is if I'm a manufacturer and I'm selling something to, uh, again, I'll use Home Depot, right? Uh, large companies sometimes do not pay in 30 days. I mean, I, in my company, my manufacturing company, I'd be lucky if I got paid in 90. I was selling retail. Good luck. So imagine now that I could take on a, a half a million dollar order knowing that in 30 days, I will get paid in full, so I'll be able to pay my vendors and suppliers. I would not have been able to take that on. I was asset-based lending at the time, which was considerably more interest than what I'm talking about, this cottage industry that will buy your invoices with no personal liability. That's, that's critical. And for under 2%. So Yeah, uh, so you're talking about a type of factoring or? It's, I guess you call it factoring. Yeah, but yeah. It's, but it, it alleviates the personal responsibility and it's a much lower in interest rate. And it seems to be a cottage industry. I know several companies that are now offering that. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I would talk to your banker. Um, you know, there, there are those sorts of programs, you know, that we've talked about, but then again, you know, I kind of mentioned just basic block and tackling stuff is look at, you know, where do you have cash sitting on your balance sheet? A lot of it's inventory, so having good inventory management. And then, you know, what are your programs sure. or what can, you, what can you implement to get your receivables in the door more quickly and then maybe um, um, push out those, those payables a little bit. But I know we're running out of time, but I, I, I think I just want to close with, yes, these are hard times. Um, a lot of people are impacted. It really doesn't matter what size you are, but just remember that these business fundamentals that we talked about, 
the basic block of tackling, you know, knowing your cash flow, having good cash flow forecast, managing your cash, you know, all the things that go along with that. Looking at looking at growth opportunities, you know, selling more to existing clients. What's your plan to do that? Maybe moving out geographical area, uh, alliances. What are some things that you can do, you know, to increase the growth? And then your your risk profile. You know, what can you do to decrease your risk profile? Have you? Um, it, are you the business? You know, if you're the business, there's a lot of risk in that business. Have you brought on that second tier of managers to help you to where you can fly off to Tahiti for a month and not worry about your business going? So, so a lot of these things that I've been working with for clients over the years, it's, it's really not changing now. It's become more urgent, but a lot of the basic block and tackling is, is remaining the same. Jeff, as, thank you very much. And as you said, we are running out of time. And as usual, uh, with any of the topics I talk about on Business Developers Network, I could go on for another hour at least. But we are at the end. But I want to let the listeners know how they could reach out and, and contact you. Sure. Um, go, to, go to the website, um, and then you'll find me there. You could Google my name and Warren Averett's and um, you find me on LinkedIn, find me on the, our website, um, jeff.plank at warrenavert.com is, is my email. And how do you spell Warren Averett? W-A-R-R-E-N-A-V-E-R-E-T-T. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank, thank you. And uh, this will bring us to the close of Business Developers Network. I thank you for listening and remember to keep developing your business.